Welcome back to the BOMA. A podcast from the International Livestock Research Institute, where we discuss how sustainable livestock is contributing to development efforts in the global south. My name is Brenda Coromina. And I'm Elliot Carlton. Today, we're talking about bacterial phages, and the name should tell you a thing or two about what they do. The word phage comes from a Greek root which means to eat or to devour. So, what you're saying is that phages essentially eat bacteria. Yeah, more precisely, they're viruses that infect and destroy bacteria. In a way, phages are bad viruses for the bacteria, bacteria themselves, but they are good viruses for us or animals. That's Dr. Nicholas Vitek, one of the two ILRI scientists we'll be hearing from today. He and Dr. Angela Makumi are both working on phage research. They're going to talk to us about the frightening topic of antimicrobial resistance, more commonly known as AMR, and how they're using phages to combat AMR bacteria. But why would we want to use viruses to kill bacteria? Can't we just use things like soap, chemicals, medicines? Sure, but those things are not always as helpful as they seem. Think about antibiotics. They save lives by killing bacteria. But overusing antibiotics is what causes AMR to develop. And it's a serious problem once you can't kill harmful microbes like bacteria. Every year, over 700,000 people die because of AMR superbugs. So how do you kill a superbug? Well, let's talk about one way that scientists are looking into it. Phages. When it comes to livestock farming, AMR is a widespread but complicated issue. Antibiotics aren't just used in intensive factory farming in the global north or even just to treat animals when they're sick. They're used by farmers in the global south who are worried about their livelihoods and their food security. I would say like livestock farming is relied upon by a lot of farmers to provide the basic needs in the household. And because of this competition in sustainable livelihood, a lot of farmers tend to use antibiotics just for either treatment or prevention or just for growth promotion. And this is just to help them sell the product to the consumer. Because remember, this is also they need this source of income. So they use a lot of antibiotics. That was Dr. Angela Makumi, a postdoctoral fellow at ILRI specializing in microbiology, molecular biology, and bacteriophage biology. She and Nicholas Svitek, who is also a microbiologist, have been analyzing bacteria found on livestock farms in Kenya. What we have observed in, in our research is that uh, a lot of the bacterial isolates that we have collected from the environment at least a third of them are multi-drug resistant to several antibiotics. So the few times I've been to the farms, we have observed that antibiotics are, are quite often used. They're usually delivered through the fetal water. So sometimes you have, uh, I don't know, uh, some, some vitamins delivered through the water, but they contain uh, uh, antibiotics. And uh, sometimes they will treat their chicken not knowing what's what's causing the, the infection so they will um, use antibiotics at large just to to treat or prevent um, infections the main point here is that amr isn't just limited to bacteria which infect livestock and it's not limited by geography 
It matters for the entire world, not just for developing countries. Right. Humans can also pick up AMR bacteria. So, of course, we, we are looking at the high rate of resistance that we, we are creating and we're creating this, the so-called superbags. And also, when you look at it, the lack of waste management at farm level also can instigate the process of antibiotic resistance to humans, meaning that if you don't manage your waste well from the farms, this waste ends up into the water system and there, and maybe the same people are using the same water water point. And so you're carrying this re, uh, resistant uh, bacteria to humans, to livestock, to the environment. Nowadays, with the global travel, resistance is not only an isolated incident. So, for example, if I have resistant bugs and I travel to Europe or to Australia or to any other continent, it means that I have the likelihood of spreading these bugs into the environment. The problem is that farmers can use the same antibiotics that hospitals would use too. You can take a situation where there's a farmer who's uh, having an animal and this animal has an infection and he's been giving too many antibiotics. And when you look at how the close proximity between the farmer and the animal, they tend to be in close proximity every day. So that means the farmer can get this resistant bacteria and if he gets sick, the problem is most of the antibiotics that are used also by farmers are clinically relevant antibiotics. They're those that if he gets an infection, then even the clinically relevant antibiotics will not be able to help the farmer. And now we're looking at a very bad case where you have resistance from that is now in humans. Situations like this are already happening, and there are wider, more hidden costs too. If the animal is infected and, and sick, then uh, you might not be able to treat it. It might die, so there would be a, a food security issue to, to humans who rely on uh, animal products from these, from these livestock species. And also it can lead to economic security issues for the farmer, farmers selling these, uh, these products. So farmers might overuse antibiotics in their livestock because they want them to be healthy and survive infections. Healthy, thriving animals lead to more meat, milk, and eggs, meaning better food security and economic security. But because of AMR, the opposite could happen. An expert report predicts that by 2030, 24 million more people could be forced into extreme poverty because of AMR. And so this is where phages come in, which entails fighting bacteria with viruses. Right. Think of phages as highly evolved, natural nanomachines that kill bacteria with exceptional specificity. That sounds pretty dramatic, but for Angela, she first became interested in phages by considering how humans interact with livestock. I have always been passionate about agriculture, especially in terms of farm to fork, meaning that a lot of thought has to be put in how we interact with livestock in the farm and what we end up consuming in our own tables for dinner or for lunch. So for this reason, um, I became interested in phages. And they're also appealing because there's now a high appeal on organic choice. And there's also increased to natural antimicrobial alternative. I'm very keen on animal and human health and how the interface between the two happens. And I'm also interested in terms of antimicrobial resistance that could happen within this interface.
and what would be the long-term repercussions. So coming up with a phage product is also important because this, this can create a sustainability for the African market. Okay, but how exactly do phages destroy bacteria? Phages are basically uh, viruses. Uh, in the case of phages, uh, what is particular about phages is that they will uh, inject their genetic material inside a bacterial cell, and then uh, it will start uh, generating several copies of the phage. And once there's enough copies of the phage, then uh, they will lyse the bacterial cell. And by doing this, they will kill the, the bacteria and release more phages in the environment. So in a way, phages are bad viruses for the bacteria, bacteria themselves, but they are good viruses for us or animals. So essentially, phages infect bacteria, multiply, the bacteria bursts open and is destroyed, and then the phages disperse to find another bacteria to infect. If this still sounds a little bit alarming, Angela assures us that they're not harmful to humans. So like just a game, like when you're playing a game of Lego, phages use specific receptors that can only be found on the bacterial cell. And by using these receptors, they use them specifically to bind and gain entry to the bacteria. And that therefore infecting and killing the bacteria. But however, they do not infect or kill mammalian cells. That's definitely reassuring. But when can livestock farmers actually expect to get their hands on phage technology? I would say phage therapy is still at uh, its infancy and we still have a long way to go. But some great strides have been made in isolating and characterization. But however, the next leap would be to move from lab-based research into practical field-based research. Currently, they're used in the developed countries. So instead of using antibiotics to control infections, they're used they're added in feed additives just to control the microbial bacterial load in the animal. Or they can be used to treat mastitis. They have been used also, uh, especially in weaning of pigs, where pigs are more susceptible to diseases. Phages are now being given in, in water or in, as feed supplements. Uh, but also, uh, phage could be used, uh, could be sprayed, for instance, over the skin of animals if they have a, an infection uh, or a wound. Uh, so most, uh, the most common way of using phages would be through the oral route. So phages can potentially be administered in a variety of ways. But what happens if farmers overdo it? Would we start to see phage-resistant bacteria too? Not according to Angela. Bacteria become resistant to antibiotics when the dose isn't high enough to kill all of them. Those that survive become resistant and keep reproducing. But as Angela explains, phages are not like antibiotics, and they evolve too quickly for resistance to be a problem. So we should remember that antibiotics are chemical molecules that target a specific molecular machinery in the bacteria. And therefore, when this machinery evolves, the bacteria is no longer sensitive to the antibiotic. But when we're looking at phages, phages are very, very specific. So they only use one part. They don't use like a whole machinery. They can maybe use one part to infect the cell. But because we are living in kind of an evolutionary race between the bacteria and the phage, they will always co-evolve together. So if one bacteria mutates and is becomes insensitive to the phage, the phage will also mutate because remember the phage needs the bacteria to multiply. 
it's always like a race between the bacteria and the phage. So if a bacteria evolves, the, the phage will also evolve. So you'll always have a phage for a mutant bacteria. Okay. I now want to take us back to the more practical side of things. If farmers are going to be able to use phages, how much more will it cost than something like antibiotics? So the recommendation is that phages are are isolated from their specific regions, and this is because of their bacterial hosts, like the strains that will be circulating in the U.S. or in Europe would be completely different from those circulating in Africa. However, the challenge is that we lack the infrastructure or the personnel who are well-trained in isolating phages. In terms of making it into a product, the cost is, is lesser compared to the antibiotic, but the process could be actually laborious. But the process is also shorter because an antibiotic is a chemical agent that you have to prove that it does not have any effect in the animal or human through collaborations and funding and proper infrastructure, you are looking at maybe one one to two years and also um, collaborating with companies who can make a product like uh, dry so that when you're making a product, you don't have to make it in such a way like local farmers don't may, may not be able to have like a freezer or a fridge. So you have to make a product that is for local people and can be stored at room temperature. But at the same time, the fridge still remains uh, effective. It sounds like storage can still present its own set of issues for farmers. Actually, yeah. Storage is one of the things that make phages inaccessible to many people in developing countries. At the moment, they need to be refrigerated. But scientists are researching alternative ways to keep them. Okay, so for our day-to-day lab work, I mean, we, we keep them at 4 degrees in, in the refrigerator. Um, and for our stocks, we keep them at minus 80 in the, in the freezer. Uh, but then uh, for if we eventually develop a phage therapy or a cocktail, we would investigate how we can uh, either lyophilize or what other people use is a technology called spray drying. So it's just basically to to remove the humidity from the samples and have uh, like a powder, like, you know, instant coffee. But these are phages. So by doing this, we would increase uh, the survivability of phages at room temperature, hopefully. So uh, having those freeze-dried, uh, spray-dried uh, phages uh, would remove the need of a cold chain to deliver the phage to the field and even and just keep them at room temperature uh, in, in remote villages or um, where there's no access to a, a refrigerator or electricity. Well... Now I'd like to know what the first phage treatment might be. You might have heard of salmonella. Sure. That's one of the bacteria that causes food poisoning, right? Right. Dr. Nicholas Vitek is currently leading a team of microbiologists to use phages to treat salmonella, and especially AMR in salmonella. Our project is trying to develop phage therapy as a viable option to treat or prevent salmonella infections in chicken. In Kenya, but eventually this could go, uh, we could expand this to include salmonella from other countries or include other pathogens of poultry or even pathogens that affect other livestock species. And I guess one last question that comes to mind is whether phage therapy will ever completely replace antibiotics in the future. 
if all the right conditions are met to make it accessible for everyone. I was thinking that as well. At this point, when it comes to bacteria, it might sound like antibiotics are the bad guy and phages should just completely replace them. But that's not necessarily the case. No, I don't think they will ever replace completely antibiotics. And the reason is that phages might not be the best strategy uh, to treat some infections, for instance, uh, to uh, treat uh, bacteria that are intracellular. And then, I mean, there's also uh, other alternatives to antibiotics. So there's like vaccines, uh, immunomodulators, probiotics, uh, also phage-derived products, antimicrobial peptides. So all of this can be used as an arsenal, if, if you will, to, uh, to have different strategies to replace antibiotics. But I think antibiotics will still be around. What we need is uh, a better control of antibiotic use, a better education. Several researchers have suggested that a, a good strategy that could work is to combine uh, antibiotics and phages uh, that uh, together synergize uh, to be more efficient. So studies have shown that if you use uh, an antibiotic in an infection, it reduces bacterial load. If you use phages alone, it, it does the same effect. But if you combine both together, you have a thousandfold reduction uh, as compared to using these uh, alone. So that could be a strategy to combine phages and antibiotics and perhaps even using less antibiotics than normally required. That's pretty incredible that antibiotics and phages can actually work together. And what I like is that this research into AMR and phages is not about one narrow bit of science. It affects food security, human health, and the environment. Exactly. And phages are just one of the ways that scientists are working to combat this issue. They're relatively inexpensive, and they can potentially treat infections in livestock while reducing the problem of overusing antibiotics. And that's a great place to leave off for today. Thank you so much to Dr. Angela Makumi and Dr. Nicholas Vitek for taking the time to share their work with us. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope that you will leave us a review, and please don't forget to subscribe. We will catch you next time on The BOMA. I'm Elliot Carlton. And I'm Brenda Coromina. Coromina.